This is chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. So Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Good morning, church. And good morning to everyone who is... um, joining on worship online. It's a pleasure to stand before you once again. It's a pleasure to stand before you once again. Um, come on. For the past um, uh, three weeks thereabout, we have been discussing on the topic um, what we believe about humans. And uh, just a little while ago, we just read what God's command to humans was from the beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. Those were God's pronouncements on humans. And um, if I stand here and ask us by way of hands to show how many of us have at one time or the other uh, prayed for progress or prayed for success or prayed for any just whatever nomenclature you want to use to describe an, an advancement i probably will see everyone's hands up here and on the other hand if i ask us to show by uh raising our hands anyone who's prayed for failure and prayed to be a loser Lord, please help me to be a loser. I mean, um, I, I would not. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I will not get anyone. And, and if I do, uh, probably will need some evaluation. Not by me. I'm not qualified to do that. But I, I could suggest. And so, God wants man. Wants, God wants man to be fruitful and increase. And we'd we, we love to look at this from a spiritual lens. Um, uh, the book of Hebrews, um, as we have it, um, talked about spiritual infancy, where he said, by this time, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Let me, let me break this down to everyone's understanding. It's like when you're supposed to be doing homework for grade level 12, and you're struggling to do the homework for grade level 2. Um, no parent will be happy to have such a child. I mean, um, for a child that is normal, everything is okay. It's just that the child refuses to want to study, the child refuses to want to grow. Um, um, the child just refused to want to do what his or her mate does. No, ch- no parent would be happy about that. So this morning, um, the topic of conversation 
uh, we shall be discussing with ourselves is a productive Christian. It's God's intention for us as Christians uh, to be productive. English is not my first language, so I decided to look at um, uh, the compound word there, which is productive. And it tells me that what I got was achieving or getting good results. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, can confirm that, if that is correct. But if that is correct, if uh, productive means getting good results, then it means that we're trying to talk about Christians who get results. Results-oriented Christians. That is what we're trying to look at this morning. Results-oriented Christians. You know, about two weeks ago when Jay came up to preach, uh, he started his uh, sermon with a question. And um, I know that um, he talked about it. And this morning, uh, we shall be asking that question, asking ourselves that question. What is God's will for you and me? Even though it has been wrapped up in the text that was just read to us. But what is God's will for you and me? Um, uh, actually, we just read it in Genesis. He wants us to be fruitful and multiply. But again, does it end there? And so what does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? At that time, he was looking at it from the physical point of view. But again, things went, as things went on, um, he also intended that in the spiritual point of view. And look at what uh, we have from the book of Ecclesiastes. When, Ecclesiastes. when the wise man Solomon talked about the duty of mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And so the question that we ask is, what are the commandments of God? There are so many commandments God has given. But what is the basic commandment of God? I think about two years ago there, we talked about um, um, evangelism. And the central theme for that was the book of Matthew chapter 28. You know, and um, pretty much he said, this is it. The book of Matthew chapter 28, that's the commandments of God. Uh, He says, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe, to obey everything I have commanded you. Pretty much straightforward. Boom. That is what God expects of us. That is our business on earth here. But again, let us look at what the book of Second Timothy talked about the commandments of God. The book of Second Timothy was a little bit more precise about the commandment of God. Oops. It talked about preaching. It said, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And I want to pick up two words from, those, uh, from that passage. Preach the word. What does it mean to preach the word? Do you have to stand here before and say something before the word is being preached? Well, that is one way of preaching the word. But do you know that you can preach the word without saying a word? We can preach the word by our attitude, by our conduct. You can preach the word by singing. I mean, God has blessed you with such a good voice, and you can sing very well. You never can tell the soul, that beautiful voice that you are using to glorify God will touch. But again, so much has been put into us that there's excitement that comes with knowing God 
knowing the word of God and his kingdom. And when that excitement is upon us, we cannot afford to keep the word to ourselves. It's like when you achieve a milestone, um, you want to share your success. People at different times, they go to all kinds of social media and post things that make them proud. In the same way, the, the, the word of God should be something that we should be willing to share. Just a few moments ago, we sang um, uh, uh, the hymn, Wonderful Words of God. They are actually beautiful words of God. And so those words are not meant to be kept for us. The, God said, preach the word. It's a command. It's not something that is based on the discretion of mankind. It is not um, man's philosophy. It is not um, something that we do um, whenever we choose to do it. But what even makes it more important to want to preach the word is the fact that knowing that the word is lost without it should put in some more urgency into wanting to share this good news. It makes us put ourselves, find ourselves in position where we should be eager to share it. We should be responsive to share it. We should be responsible to share it. And we should be prompt in sharing this word. Another word I want to pick is, be prepared. It says, be prepared. I want, to, I want us to look at the amplified version of this passage and how it describes um, uh, this passage. It says, it reads, be ready when the time is right, and even when it is not. What does that mean to us? When the time is right, and when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. So we pretty much don't have much to talk about here. It does not depend on our mood. For a Christian to be productive, we cannot but continue to do the will of the one who sent us, the will of our Father. Why does God bless us with so much talent? If, if, if we must be productive, we have to establish something, and that is that we must be equipped. Yesterday we had the um, leaders' workshop, and the core of the conversation was about equipping one another. God has begun his work by equipping us. God has placed an ability in everyone we we'll look at the book of uh, the story of the parable of the talents in the book of Matthew chapter 25 I want us to look at something there to one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags of gold and to another one bag why did God give why did the master give his servants different degree of assignments? 
Why not two, two bags across board? Why one, five, one, two, and the other one, one? Look at the later part of that passage. Each according to his ability. In other words, there is no room for inability in the house of God. There is an ability in every one of us. Each according to his ability. God has placed an ability in every one of us. We cannot afford to be spectators in the house of God. You cannot afford, I cannot afford to be a spectator in my father's house. I have to be part of the players. I have to be a participant. I'm not a spectator. If we go further. I said, God does not give to you what you cannot make use of. In other words, whatever ability God has placed in your care, God has placed it in your care because God knows that you can handle it. God has placed that ability in your care because God knows that you can handle it. The master gave that servant one talent. Now we're going to get there because he knows that servant can handle one talent. He didn't give him two talents. Neither did he give him five talents. It's okay for a co-laborer to do more than I do in the Lord's house. And vice versa. And that's why one has five and the other one has two and one has one. And this is what is not okay. It is not okay for anyone not to do anything in the Lord's house. Because there's an ability in everyone. Everyone has something to bring to the table. There's no one who is empty. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. That is the same thing we do. When the ability God has given to us, we fail to use it to glorify his name. We fail to use it to praise him. We fail to use it to encourage ourselves. We are behaving like that servant who took his one talent and dug the ground and hid it. We have not done anything different. And so, whatever it is, the ability you have in the Lord's house, I encourage us this morning, I encourage myself this morning, let us use it to glorify Him. If it is to serve, serve Him. If it is to teach, teach. If it is to greet people coming into the church hall on Sunday morning and put some smile on their face, do it. If it is to Pick up your phone. I'm very poor at that. And make us to follow up with those who did not show up on Sunday. That is a great ministry. Do it. If God has blessed you with a beautiful voice to sing. Sing so that your God's name can be glorified. Sing so that we can be encouraged together. Sing so that we can all have a beautiful time together. Just imagine if everyone has the same voice as I do. And when we sing, can you imagine how that song will, that song will sound? But because there are folks amongst us who have very beautiful voice, God has blessed with beautiful voice. They can sing and 
it overshadows the voice of people like me. And we have a beautiful melody. And we can enjoy fellowship with one another. This is not God's way for us. I want to take us back to the book of Esther. The story of Haman, Mordecai, and Esther. I don't want to buzz with this story, but I want to emphasize on something. When Haman was able to convince the king to enact a law to eliminate the Jews, Mordecai heard about it and he sent a message to Esther. For if you remain silent, he sent a message to Esther. Esther was reluctant to do something because she was scared she was going to lose her life. She, by law, then you cannot present yourself before the king unless the king invites you. And Esther said, and Mordecai said, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Does that sound familiar? If we refuse to worship God, God can raise stones to worship Him. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? Listen to this part. And who knows? But that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Who knows? But that God has blessed you with this particular talent that you have. And you have chosen to dig the earth and hide it. For a time like this. Who knows? But if you refuse to use it to glorify God. God has options. And look at Esther's response. Go. Gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. And fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. Three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king. I will go to the king even though it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. Esther moved from a position of fear to boldness. She refused to allow herself to hide the purpose for which God has placed her in the royal house. Remember, Esther was a low-life girl. But God blessed her with beauty. And of all the women that were presented before the king, she was the one God chose. Who knows if it was for a time like this, God favored her to be in that position. And so let us ask ourselves the same question. Let us ask ourselves the same question. If we refuse to be productive as Christians, if we refuse to use what God has blessed us with to be result-oriented... What are some of the things that can prevent us from being productive? What is it? Quickly, I refer us to the parable of the sower in the book of Matthew. When one hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, 
the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is like the seed that is sown along the path. That is the pictorial view of the path. It's so dry because of the constant traffic on it. It does not have any nutrients. It cannot support life. And so, when we receive these words and we do not have understanding, the proper thing to do is to ask questions. Remember what happened on the Pentecost Day, the greatest question that was asked. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Questions can be asked so that our hearts can become fitter for the word that is sown in it. Look at the pictorial view of the rocky ground. Tell me what can grow on this. Tell me what can survive on a rocky on a soil like this. And that is why when you see plants grow on rocky spots, it's easy for you to pull it and everything comes with you, including the root, because there's no room for the root to be established underneath the edge. And so the seed falling on a rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. We begin to ask God different questions. Does God really exist? God bless Canada. It is in this country I've heard people tell me or say, why do I need God? And I said, God bless Canada. Not because people are saying that. You'll get to know why I said, God bless Canada. People are asking me, come on, why do I need God? I've got a great job. I've got a house of my own, almost paid out. I've got my car, I've got family. Why do I need God? Because there's abundance in the land. And people have drifted away from the source of abundance. But the seed that falls among tongues refers to one who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life. What to eat, what to drink. We work so hard. God gave us so much time. And the little time we need to spend for God, we make excuses. We can't even make it there. And I feel so guilty about this too. The little time we need to spend for God, we can't make it. The little time we need to spend to worship with the brotherhood, with the brethren, we can't make it. That is why we want to use God's time to rest. That's why we want to use God's time to do another thing that we will not have time to do all the week when we are busy doing other stuff. The worries of life. It chokes this word. You see the tongue? How many of us can hold on to those plants? Comfortable and hold tight. I can't. 
it chokes the words away. And sometimes I look at life and life in itself. And in the past two, three, four months, I've reflected so much on life since the passing of my younger sister. And it's been a tough one. It's 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 it brings the emptiness in life. What are we busy doing? Sometimes I call on my two elder children. Some time ago. And I call on them and they tell me, Daddy, I'm busy. And I say, you don't ever tell your daddy you are busy when your daddy calls you. When your daddy calls you, come and attend to your daddy. And after your daddy is done, you can tell your daddy you are busy. But incidentally, that is the same thing I do to my father in heaven. That is the same thing we do. We are too busy. If you are not yet a Christian, are you too busy to seek God? Are you too busy to seek God? And if you are a Christian, are you too busy to serve God? Let us answer those questions internally. Let's, in, let us internalize those questions. Are we too busy to serve God? We get ourselves carried away with the things of the world. In conclusion, the book of John chapter 15 reads that I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Remember the text message, the text we read. Be fruitful and multiply. Now I want to tie both of them together. And Jesus Christ is telling us today that any branch that does not bear fruit, the Father cuts away. We cannot, we just have three choices. To be, product, to be a productive Christian, to be productive Christians, to be a productive Christian. Those are the choices we have. Otherwise the Father cuts us away. But look at, the, the Bible did not leave us in vacuum. He cuts, okay, while every branch, I hope I'm not, okay, let me take it from two, so that I don't lose us. He cuts every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. The productive Christian, God dresses well so that he can be more productive. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. So for us to be productive, we must continue to remain in God. And for us to remain in him, we must keep to his commandments. Neither can you bear fruit. Unless you remain in me. 
Brethren, this morning, for us to be productive as Christians, for us to be result-oriented as Christians, we have to remain in Him. That is when we can be fruitful and multiply. That is when we can make disciples of all nations. And that is when we have the ability to teach them to obey everything that they have learned. This morning, Richard chose a song, we believe, for us to sing to close. If you need to talk, or you have questions, or you want to give your life to Christ, and you are seated in the audience, um, after the song, you can talk to me or talk to any of the ministers, Jay and Miles, they are in the hall, or talk to any of the elders. Shall we rise as we take the closing song?